when disaster strikes. Will you be ready? Good evening, and we begin tonight with the monster hurricane and its deadly impact already. When all hope is gone, will the government be there for you? If you're looking for ways to take your prepping to the next level, then you've come to the right place. Broadcasting from a secure and well-prepared location, it's time for Prepping 2.0. And now, please welcome authors Glenn Tate and Shelby Gallagher. Welcome everyone, this is Shelby Gallagher at Prepping 2.0. Welcome everyone, this is episode 76. Yeah. It's, we have a, we're double, we're almost to triple digits. I know. And it's by crazy. the way, to everyone, this is Glenn Tate, my partner and co-host and, and husband. Co-dog owner. That'll be that'll, <laughs> that'll be, be very important for today's show. Yes, that's right. We are we are dog parents. Yes, yes we, we are. are. Yes, we are. Well, I want to give folks uh, an overview of the guest and the topic. This is cool. Before we tell you, and you've already read the show notes, so you know what this is. This is all about dogs. One of the things about prepping 2.0 that we love, and, and we're going to be honest, I hope this doesn't sound, you know, braggadocious, um, but we like bringing you those next level topics when it comes to prepping. I mean, this isn't, you know, things to have in your bug out bag and all that stuff. There's a ton of podcasts and YouTube channels and go ahead and watch them. And that's an important foundational thing. This is 2.0. This is the next level. And it's things like dogs and how they can help you in your preparedness and, and protection and everything like that. You can see this is the next level. And before we go any further, big shout out to my good friend, Ryan Canada, not his real name, who lives what? in Canada. That's how he got <laughs> his nickname from us. He's a good guy. And he had a friend in the canine industry. Um, uh, Ryan Canada is a, is a canine um, security guy. I'll put it that way. And he said, hey, I got this friend. He's going to be great. He's going to talk to preppers about dogs. And there are tons of things, even in just the introductory chat we had before we started recording, that I can see now I hadn't thought of. And I thought I thought of everything, but obviously I didn't. So we're going to do that. So it's all about dogs for preppers, why to have them, and how to maximize them for SHTF. And then in the after show, we're going to have more of our Patreon's predictions for 2020, which have been amazing. Last show, we got through two of them, and there are 23 total, so we'll go through another couple. Amazing discussion, and Joel's going to give us some of his thoughts on predictions for 2020, and then we'll discuss the Patreon stuff. So there you go. Another reason, can I just say, to be a Patreon is you get to make predictions that we talk about, and and we say your name, and it's really cool. It's a lot of fun, so we, we love doing that. So Shelby, what is next on the list of the top 100 things that go the quickest in a collapse? So I always like to direct people to where you can find this list. I think it's a great list. Go to our website, prepping2-0.com. Lower right-hand corner, you will see a link to the top 100 things that disappear in a collapse. And we are on number 65. This is key, and I'm, and I'm going to explain where we're at with this. Uh, number 65 seems obvious, but it's a thing. Sleeping bags, pillows, blankets, mats, cots, all of those, thing, those things. Here's what I do, and we've had the discussion here in the, in the Tate Gallagher household. Is this really necessary? Old blankets, old sleeping bags, old things on that list. I put them in tubs and I store them away. And they're, you know, they're, they smell like, you know, after a few years, they smell like grandma's attic and things like that. But tell you what, if suddenly it, we have a cold winter with no heat or we have people coming that we aren't expecting and we need warmth, I'm going to be really glad that I have just some old musty 
you know, from 20 years ago, blankets and quilts and things. So I'm feeling good about that. But that's a li- that's on the list. That's number 65. Yeah. And 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 I kind of am. And we have this tension in our prepping household. <laughs> I'm all about space, Save the space, saving space, maximizing space. And she's all about having things that are probably a good idea to have that take up a lot of space. Right. You can see the tension. And so one thing to think about, guys, uh, guys, obviously, men and guys women, and girls, West Coast, we say guys, it means men and women. And that, so politically incorrect. I know. I don't care. <laughs> yeah. If you're listening to the show, you're politically incorrect and we love it. So but uh, space bags. They're awesome. Yeah. They're these. That's the name of the brand. They're like giant Ziploc bags that, that you can suck the air out of. Yeah. You put a um, vacuum hose on. It's got a little valve and it sucks all the air out. It is unbelievable how much you can reduce the volume of stuff. And so invest in, oh, and, and it's cool because everything stays airtight and watertight. It doesn't and so smell like grandma's attic. Yeah. doesn't smell like grandma's attic. So that, that blanket you have 20 years ago, you know, Mulan or whatever, Disney Channel thing. <laughs> <laughs> and it smells like French fries, um, based on a true story in my case, but um, not my blanket, my daughter's. But anyway, um, you can do that. And so tons of blankets, um, pillows. And, and that was on the list. I didn't really think of that. Pillows are a huge huge asset when it comes to sleeping well. Cots, I added that. That wasn't on their list. That was on my list. Cots are inexpensive. You can get a good one. Don't get the cheesy $25 ones. They're horrible and you're not going to sleep well. And that's the whole point of this is sleeping well. And so get some cots. You can get some. uh, The Cabela's brand for about 95 bucks seems to work really well for me. And I'm not a small guy, so um, 6'2". So, I mean, my feet hang over like chumpy ones um so think about cots because you're going to have people come and you don't expect um and i mean that in a good way not not bad people you're going to have all kind everyone's going to be oh you're a prepper i'm going to come to your place the other thing is we halfway joke about this but not really 100 percent joking about it prisoners there will be prisoners and if they're really good and they denounce their communist ways they will get a blanket think about that so there you go <laughs> So there you go. So there's that. So yeah, that's and a rancid pancake. As it based yeah, on this one, it just got. Can we, let's tell on. this quick story. Oh Here's the story. This is funny. We go. We had some deep preps that, that were like uh, in Eight this case old. pancake mix, crusties pancake. This mix. is pancake mix that he like. It, it says Best Buy January 2013. He bought it around the time he was writing the books. Yeah, right. 2012, and it's the Costco ones in the really crusties. thick. Yeah, the really thick plastic thing. And I didn't vacuum seal it. It was an experiment. Put them in the tub. Fast forward to this weekend. Uh, we go and we get the tub and bring it back. And we did something kind of sneaky and mean. But We it was did a blind funny. test. A blind test. <laughs> we made some. We made some. Um, some team guys are here. And so they're eating the pancakes. And they're like, da-da. And I'm like, so how are the pancakes? They're like, yeah, they're pretty good. I go, I point to it. Best Buy, January 2013. I said, did you know you're eating eight-year-old pancakes? And they're like, oh, yeah, okay. And I, well, and what's cool is they're like, yeah, okay, good to know. Because we've got some eight-year-old pancake mix. Exactly. <laughs> and I said, okay, guys. So when we give food to you guys and we're making food and somebody says something stupid like, well, this is past the expiration date. Tell them to shut up because you've eaten eight-year-old pancakes and they were doggone delicious. Now, and also just to say this, I made some yesterday and I had one and tasted one. So I did the whole, not I would not, die. If I, I would not have given that to them had I known, had I had a reaction yesterday, this would have been done yesterday. So anyway, okay. Exactly. But so bottom line, oh, and our book is coming out this year, we hope. I mean, if we get to write it, which who knows, um, 
food preps, food Mm -hmm. preps 2.0. And it's all about the food element of your preps from deciding what to get based on nutritional stuff and cost and and shelf life and all these other things. Um, How long stuff lasts, how to preserve it. Um, everything from MREs to gardening. So that's kind of your spectrum of, of cost and convenience on one end and like sustainability and, and re- reusableness, I guess, well, sustainability on the other end of the spectrum and how to um, organize it, how to inventory. And it's all simple. This isn't like complicated stuff. This stuff we've learned over 10 years, trial and error. Yeah. And also how to cook it, not in the recipe sense, but in the how are you going to heat stuff? when maybe there's no electricity or anything like that, how, or no natural gas, how are you gonna do that? So anyway, Food Preps 2.0 uh, should be coming out. We've already done a very detailed outline, so it's not like it's in our minds. It's like we have to sit down and do it. Although, with staying at home right now, because um, somebody over here I'm looking at can't go to work right now, um, you might I think have it'll it. get done. <laughs> might have the we're dedication. Gonna, we're gonna dedicate it to the to coronavirus, coronavirus 2020. Yeah. Exactly, for giving us the time to actually write the book. Um, Shelby, what's in the merch shack? Other cool thing that's been happening over at uh, uh, Prepping 2.0 is, I'm just going to say it, I say it every week, what's in the merch shack? It's been kind of interesting. It's been going on now a week or so. Uh, the whole uh, recommendations from not only the president, but from the CDC and, and, and everybody who stands at those press conferences, good idea to wear a cloth facial covering. Official mm-hmm. word from the CDC and blah, blah, blah. Well, if you've looked at our merch shack over at Prepping 2.0, click on the shop tab. You'll see we have cloth facial coverings that are send a very clear message right on it. says, I miss America. We developed yeah. these face masks. I got to say this two and a half, three years ago has a counter message to all the Antifa antics that were going on at the time, all the riots and whatnot. Um now it's kind of more of an interesting thing to, I think that uh, I have had fans send me pictures of them wearing them standing in grocery store lines. Yep. It's with not only just with the pandemic happening right now, but all of the draconian, crazy, political, weird stuff happening as an outcropping of that. I think that face mask, that facial cloth covering sends a very clear message and our fans have responded we've been selling them like crazy and and we're checking to see if we can get some more but yeah they're still available as as of right now and they say what you feel because you miss america and and we we joke but again only half joking america was so different six weeks ago yeah and and that's what we're talking about i miss america so whether you're throwing a Molotov cocktail at Antifa or you're just walking through you're the grocery store. You're going through a checkpoint at a right. state border. You got, you got your face Lord. mask. It looks cool. Yeah. It looks really cool. You're so standing there you go. in line paying $20 for a six pack of toilet paper. I yeah. miss America. <laughs> you're standing in line outside of a Costco that's about, you know, 600 yards long. I miss America, right? That's right. So well, uh, two more quick things. Um, I and it's actually been both of us recently. We have Shelby and I have a radio show on KHNC. Yeah, now that I'm home. <laughs> exactly. Which is a, an amazing uh, conservative talk radio station in Colorado, in the Denver area, the front range more so than Denver. And that we do a show. It's on their archives. There's a link to it on prepping 2 com. Glenn Tate's KHNC shows what it's called. Recently, Shelby and I have been doing the show together, and it's been so much fun. It's cool. It's a one-hour show, and we just talk about whatever's currently there, and we have an absolute blast. A lot of Prepping 2.0 listeners are now KHNC listeners of that show. And, and again, you don't have to be in Denver. 
you know, on Fridays at 11 o'clock Central Time to hear it live. I mean, if you are, that's cool. But you can listen online, though, yeah, if you want. on the interwebs if while you're home trying to find something to do. Exactly. And so please consider that. And lastly, as far as announcements go, because everyone wants to hear from Joel. So yeah. the last announcement is, oh, boy, oh, boy, it finally happened. What is that? The collapse? No, Pam Radio. <laughs> no, that has happened. Yeah, that's right. Pam Radio is Prepper Amateur Radio. It's a set of flashcards for your phone. It's an app. It's free. And it, we've been trying to get it out for months and months. Um, the content's already written. It's great. And it's like all the practical stuff you need to know about ham radio, but none of the complicated stuff that you don't want to learn. If you don't have a lot of time and a lot of money and you just want to check a box and, and get the basics down of what you need for communications without the jargon and crazy stuff. And why don't you buy a thousand dollar radio? Hey, why don't I not? Right. And not know if it works for you or not. Exactly. It's, this is for you. So here's the thing. The Android beta test is done. It went out to our beta testers. And yesterday. So yesterday. And so we've done that. The iPhone beta test will be coming out in a while. Once we beta tested it, thank you, beta testers. Many of you are listening right now. Um, thank you very much. And then when it's done, done, diddly done, final and awesome, uh, if you go to pam-radio.com, pam, pam-radio.com, you can give us your email. And when the thing's done... Dun, 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 diddly dun. done. Like, you got to add the diddly. <laughs> we will email you a link to this free app uh, in the platform of your choice, Android or iPhone. And there you go. And you can roll with it. You can be the comms expert on your team in like 38 minutes. Um, and then you can use this app. You can give it to your people and say, hey, run through these flashcards. They're kind of fun and entertaining. And now everybody knows comms and you know, we won't get ambushed because there's a motorcycle gang down the road that we didn't know about. So there's that kind of stuff. So we are excited about this. Thank you for your patience, everybody. I get a ton of emails. Well, thank what? you for your patience. I have none for this at this point. Yeah. <laughs> Shelby has none for this. She's like, well, great idea, Glenn. But like, when's it going to get done? That's not I'm like, oh, it's an app. How hard can it be to yeah. develop mm -hmm. an app? Yeah. Let's uh, not, let's not announce things unless we're ready to roll. Yeah, I know. I okay. do that a lot. Well, we're, we've learned. All right. That's the, we have somebody ready to roll, so go we ahead. We do. We have Joel, um, who's with us from Fortress Canine, and he's a dog expert. And I'm going to let him introduce himself and tell us about his background and basically what he does. And then we're going to start asking some prepper questions. But you need to understand that this guy knows what he's talking about before you listen to him. I think that's fair. So, Joel, hello and take it away. Well, thank you guys for having me on. And uh, sure, I uh, spent 12 years active duty in the Army, uh, was an officer and deployed to um, the Pentagon right after 9-11. I was in Afghanistan I, in 2003, Iraq in 2007. And then in 2009, I was in Bogota, Colombia, working with the embassy um, and the U.S. mill group down there. So I spent some time, um, you know, overseas doing some combat missions and stuff like that. And then during that time frame, uh, my ex-wife at the time, she was my wife, of course, was uh, she said, you know, I got that your deployments are going to happen. You're going to be away for periods of time, but I want a protection dog while you're gone. So that kind of launched the uh, the movement into protection dogs. That was in 2003. So that would be what, about 17 years ago now. And um, and we started. We we connected with a company that trained uh, a lot of high end military protection dogs, military working dogs. Um, and they also did a lot of protection dogs. They had a lot of government contracts to teach dogs to do specific things like jumping out of airplanes and rappelling and 
waterborne operations and, and whatnot. And so I just happened to be fortunate enough to uh, connect with them at a time when all that was at high speed. And we, um, I would train up there at least once a month for about a week at a time uh, for about four or five years and then more intermittently for another four or five years after that. And, uh, and then ultimately, uh, started our own companies, uh, Fortress Canine, Canine Academy Online. And we also just recently started Fortress Canine Puppies to have a little bit more specific place to sell our pups at. So that's how we got started into this. And, um, and, you know, we got our websites and, Facebook, social media, podcast going for it, and all that good stuff. Yeah, and before we get into the topic of this, go ahead and tell folks how they can um, connect with the Canine Academy online because, you know, Shelby was joking about this, you know, before we had you on the air, and it was like, hey, everybody's got time. You might as well do this. So I think that's a really practical thing. I mean, not everyone's going to be able to buy $30,000 dogs. So tell, tell folks about the online academy, and I want to make sure people can look at it and see if it's right for them. So tell everybody how to get there. Absolutely. So the Canine Academy Online, um, the website is the letter K, the number nine, academyonline.com. And it was developed because our goal is to get high-quality protection dogs to as many people as possible. Uh, but it takes about a year to two, depending on the level of training the dog is getting. Uh, so obviously a lot of time and energy goes into training the really high-end dogs. And so you have to charge for that time, and that's why they're so expensive. But when we, um, when we were looking at everything, I, I said, why don't I do an online training option? that I can take people from the basics, like literally, I just got a puppy, what do I do? All the way up to off-lead obedience, and then fairly recently, we uh, put a bunch of content in there for protection dogs, tracking dogs. Uh, we got a little bit of tactical uh, stuff in there for, we call it dynamic movement, so it's you know the way that you would move in a firefight. Um, how do you move like that with a dog with you? Right, so there's there's some training that goes into that. Um, we also have a service dog section, and uh, some some of them are filled out a little bit more than others. Uh, but we are constantly adding new content into that to make it as robust as we can. I I love this. So one of the thing I'm going to jump in here, Joel. Every now and then I'd say one, because I get most of the feedback from our fans and from our not just fans from Prepping 2.0, but fans of our books. Um, asking, and every now and then you get somebody who asks, how do, how can uh, preppers f- fit their dogs into their preps? And why, uh-huh. so I want to ask you, why should preppers have dogs? So well, there's a bunch of reasons to have dogs. If you just want a, like a pet type of dog, um, some of the great benefits of those is number one, they reduce stress. Uh, they're kind of a, a stress outlet. You know, you're really stressed out. You can bring your dog up and just pet on them. There's lots of studies that have shown the emotional um, benefits of that, and that's where the whole emotional support dog thing comes from. But if you are thinking more along the prepper 2.0 kind of mentality, um, depending on how bad you think things are going to get, I start off with protection dogs yeah. because there's something about a dog that people – it, even the tier one guys that I've worked with and we've worked with quite a few uh, over the years, you know, they'll walk into a room full of other, you know, really hardcore guys and they'll look around and go, I can take anybody in this room. Right. But then they'll walk past one of the hardcore dogs and the dog will stare at them and they kind of like take a step back. Yeah. Right. And it's just something about the way that the predator, the canine looks at them. They go, I don't want to get bit. I'd rather get in a knife fight with a human than get in a dog fight. You know, get in a fight with a dog that knows how to fight another human. So 
the protection aspect is huge if crime rates start to go up, if you find yourself moving in an area where maybe there's large crowds of people who can be hostile, they see a, a highly trained, intimidating looking dog, um, you know, they're going to think twice about messing with you. They go for softer targets. If you are in a situation where your children um, may get lost, and this is whether you're, you know, we're in some kind of a, a collapse type situation or you just live out in the country and all of a sudden you look up and, oh my goodness, where's little Johnny? The last place you saw him, if you trained your dog to track, you can go out there, cast that dog off uh, the last known location. And um, if you train with your dog on how to do it, you can track down and find little Johnny uh, wherever he is. And, um, and then one of the things that a lot of people like about them is the show of force aspect, the intimidation aspect. So it's important to point out if a dog has not gone through the training to deal with the stress of fighting a human, which a human is a pinnacle predator. So we're fellow predators. The dog is also a predator, but the dog is not a pinnacle predator the way a human being is. Um, so even an untrained human in a life and death threat would probably prevail over a dog, especially a dog that's not been trained um, in the fight. And so it's important to understand that in a real world scenario, if your dog hasn't been trained to deal with that stress, while they may posture, so they may bark, while they may have an intimidating look to them that would turn a lot of people off, if they're not trained for it and the fight comes, they're probably not going to react the way that you would like them to react. Um, they're probably going to flee. That's what they would typically do, and that happens to about 90 to 95% of all untrained dogs. Um, when you put that pressure on them, they go, okay, well, I, I barked. I tried to show them to go away, but they wouldn't, and then they bolt. Uh, or they go run to the end of the lead or whatever and try and get away. So that's a bad situation if the show of force doesn't work. So I often will tell my clients, you know, you may pull a gun in a situation and the person goes, whoa, I don't want anything to do with this and run away. But if they don't, you better have bullets in that gun so that when you pull the trigger, something happens. And, uh, and so I kind of take that approach with the dogs while some people go, no, I just want to show a force and I'm good with that. I say, okay, that's fine. Just understand there's no guns, there's no bullets in that gun. It, it's an empty chamber, yeah. and uh, so if you need it, it's probably not going to be there. Hence the the phrase "all bark and no bite," and that's what you're talking about. And yes, yeah, we've we've seen that with uh, regular dogs. And so it seems, and we have about a minute or so before we go to our break. So I'll I'll introduce this concept if that's okay with you. I've noticed Absolutely. a couple things, um, non scientific. Number one, we live way out in the country. Everybody has dogs and dogs are amazing detectors of everything. Um, the other thing we've noticed unscientifically, um, Shelby and I love to watch cops and every time the canine <laughs> unit shows up, bad guys that just did terrible things and fought police officers and stuff are like, uh, I'm done, uh, take me to jail, please don't have him bite me. So anyway, that's just observation. Right. So um, we'll start with this topic and then we'll come back to it on the other side of the topic. But. I mean, describe how great dogs are for pure detection. You talked about show of force, and that's that's good and important, but just detection. What do you think about all that? And we have about 30 seconds, so you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna reel this one back in. This is live radio, this is what we do. So anyway, we will talk about that on the second segment, but I'll tell you this real quickly. Personally speaking, I've never really been a dog guy. Um, my ex-wife was allergic to dogs, so we didn't have dogs. And now that we have... And you came to a marriage with dogs. Yes, I did. I did. A blended family, dog and non-dog. And uh, uh, having dogs now out in the country has been a game changer. It is absolutely huge. So 
we are we are adherents and and evangelists ourselves about uh, dogs for detection so anyway stick with us on the other side of the break we're going to have an actual expert talk about this topic instead of a goofball who watches a lot of episodes of cops we'll be right back with more of prepping 2.0 with authors shelby gallagher and glenn tate right after this Shelby Gallagher here. We found that you need to layer your food preps. Yeah, this is Glenn Tate here. A lot of times the hardest part of layering is the long-term foods. We love Numana foods, which have a 25-year shelf life and are non-GMO. Also, organic meals are available. Numana comes in family-style portions and in bulk. This is not backpacking food. It's family meals that last for at least 25 years. The perfect freeze-dried part of your food layering. You can get a sample of Numana meals for $19.95 and see for yourself. You will be amazed. Prepping 2.0 listeners get a 10% discount by entering the code PREP. Go to Numana.com or click the link on the Prepping 2.0 website. Give it a try. Numana.com. That is N-U-M-A-N-N-A.com. When the grid goes down, darkness will descend fast. Used to be there was nothing you could do about an EMP, electromagnetic pulse, or CME, coronal mass ejection. Now you can protect your electronics, protect your family, thanks to EMP Shield. EMP Shield invented a simple to install device that prevents whatever's connected to it from frying in an EMP or a CME, and it costs just a few hundred dollars. EMP Shield has been tested by independent laboratories and passed muster with the government, which has ordered lots of them. Google EMP Shield and see for yourself and save some money. Get a $50 discount per device. Go to prepping2-o.com. Click on the Friends and Affiliates page, then click on the EMP Shield logo. At checkout, use coupon code PREPPING2.0. It's all one word. PrepperNet, where preppers unite. Looking to meet other like-minded people in your area? Looking to start your own prepper group? Already have a group? Join PrepperNet.com. PrepperNet has gathered the biggest names in the industry to help unite preppers everywhere. Join John Jacob Schmidt, Scott Hunt, Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy, Glenn Tate, Shelby Gallagher, Charlie Hogwood, Samuel Culper, Survivor Jane, Rick Austin, Franklin Horton, Ryan Mitchell, and Brian Duff. Our team is united. Check us out at PrepperNet.com. PrepperNet, where preppers unite. PrepperNet.com Prepping 2.0 is about that next level of prepping. One of the key 2.0 items to have is bulletproof body armor plates. I used to think body armor was too tactical for a regular guy like me, but it isn't. Give yourself, your family, and your team an unfair advantage when bullets are flying. Body armor used to be expensive and hard to get. Not anymore. KD Armor, and that stands for Come and Take It, makes solid and affordable body armor for normal people. Get body armor while you can. The clowns in Congress are trying to prohibit future sales. KD Armor is the place to get it. C-A-T-I-Armor.com. Prepping 2.0 listeners get a 10% discount when you use the coupon code GRANT. And we're back with more of Prepping 2.0 with authors Glenn Tate and Shelby Gallagher. Welcome back, everyone. Shelby Gallagher here with our special guest today, Joel from uh, K9AcademyOnline.com, talking about um, how to have an effective way to have 
dogs in as preppers at, in an SHTF situation. So, uh, Glenn, you had something you want to say. Well, yeah, no, we uh, just go ahead, Joel, and, and start up where I uh, rather awkwardly uh, introduced the topic of dogs as detection devices. I mean, apart from protection devices, detection devices. And what are some reasons preppers who maybe don't have dogs now should be considering, quite honestly, getting one just for the detection uh uh, utility of it all. Yes. Well, so there is a bunch of different ways, number one, that dogs detect, and then uh, a bunch of different applications we can use that for. So um, first, the, the ways that dogs detect, their hearing is not per se a lot better than ours, but they can hear a broader spectrum of sound than we can. And uh, so one of the things I used to do a long time ago was we would do uh, counter sniper training. So we would teach uh, snipers or teams how to find and then track down sniper teams. And, um, and almost exclusively, the way that we would locate those teams would be by sound. So uh, one of the things you do in the military, if you're going to move, um, you know, especially if you're moving way out in the middle of nowhere and you have enemy potentially all around, is you practice what they call noise discipline. And one of the things you do for that is like you'll tape down any of your metal uh, components that might squeak and move. And so we do all that and, and we kind of move our gear around and we go, okay, it's not making any noise. And because in our hearing spectrum, we don't hear anything, right? But what happens um, routinely is that my dogs will still pick that up and they will pick it up a long way out because it's a really unnatural sound. Any kind of metal squeak or anything like that for the, for the animal kind is, is unnatural. So when you're out in nature, if you're out in you know, the woods or something like that, and your dog hears a metal squeak, they will look up and look in the direction of, of what they just heard, right? And then we would use that to, to visually locate, and then um, we would move down, and we were usually, you know, up to half a mile or a mile away from those people. So by the time we got to a landmark that we had identified, they were gone, and then we would start a track from that point. So using their ears um, in a practical sense for preppers is they will oftentimes pick up um, when people are coming up your driveway or when people might be moving around on your property, especially at night, and they tend to get uh, very protective over their space. So a lot of dogs will bark in that scenario. So using them as, you know, kind of an ad hoc alarm system, uh, especially if your dog is sensitive to that. Not every one of them are, but a lot of them are. Um, can be a great way to have kind of an early advanced warning that, hey, something's out there. And if you are in a situation where, you know, kind of the rule of law has broken down, so you can't necessarily call somebody for help, and your dog notifies you by barking, especially barking in a direction, unless they've proven to be untrustworthy, meaning like they bark at squirrels and deer all the time or something like that, um, I would pay attention to that. I would be very, you know, aware of, hey, my dog is, is telling me something. I should not ignore this. So from a detection of intruders perspective, um, that is a very useful aspect of the dog. Then we get into what is most popularly thought of when we talk about detection is using their nose. So we broadly refer to that as scent work. And so scent work can be tracking a human. So from, again, from a prepper, depending on how much of a breakdown you think there's been, this could be tracking down a child who's lost. This could be tracking down a fellow teammate who maybe went out on something and was supposed to have returned by now and hasn't. So what happened? Did they just get injured? Did they get ambushed? Did they, you know, what happened there? And the more you track, even if you don't find the person, you can often tell by the way the dog reacts. Um, And this takes quite a bit of tracking to be able to do this. But 
Um, you can tell by the way the dog reacts what happened in those locations. Did the person, did, did more people come in? Is the dog picking up a bunch of odors? Did a vehicle come by here? Um, different things like that. And, and in our more advanced tracking courses, we expose handlers to how to start interpreting the dog's reactions to those sorts of things. So that's one is tracking. Another one is um, explosive. So one of our training levels that we do at Fortress Canine are executive protection dogs. They are the only dogs of our protection dogs that get sent training for explosives. And it's um, a lot of these people travel overseas and they travel to places potentially where people can place um, explosives on their vehicles and things of that nature. Um, there could potentially be booby traps on houses. Let's say you have to go, you know, uh, to another building, someplace you're not nearly as familiar with. You want to make sure there's no booby traps there. Um, the dog is not detecting wire, but what they can detect is whether there's an explosive there or not. And of course that takes training. The dogs don't just do it naturally. Typically, although some of them will, uh, indicate if there's an, an unusual scent that they're picking up, but if you want to be able to rely on it, it's something that you would want to, to actually put the training into. And, um, and then some dogs are used to detect things like, um, you know, truffles and, and, um, mushrooms and hmm. you know, different kinds of foods that could be very useful for you. Uh, I don't do a lot of that, but there are places in the world where they use dogs for that as well. So there, there's a broad spectrum of things that the dogs can use their senses, which we, we used to say they have access to a world we don't, mm-hmm. right? Their, their sense of smell gives them access to uh, the world of scent that we only barely scratch the surface of. Well, and I can personally attest to the fact that out here in the country, the dogs will bark before we have any any idea somebody's coming. And, uh, of course, our goofy two-year-old, Maddie, um, who, by the way, has her own Facebook page. That's right. You can follow Maddie Tate Gallagher on Facebook. <laughs> About four of you are. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, we're kidding. But, no, she really has a Facebook page. But, anyway, uh, she, of course, barks at squirrels and deer and everything like that. But, well, one thing I want to ask is what are some ways to maximize your dog for SHTF without, quite honestly, you know, going through explosives training or something like that. So this is a, a, your answer would be more geared at like regular dog owners right now. Um, what can they do to maximize their SHTF effectiveness? Um, and it might be some online training or something, but it's not going to be, you know, we'll jumping out of airplanes gonna and stuff. It's going to be a selfish here. How can we maximize Maddie to actually help yeah, us in SHTF? Yeah, how can we get Maddie to quit being a lazy bum? <laughs> being a hyper idiot, <laughs> Absolutely. yes. Absolutely. Well, so the first thing I would say is if, if you have a dog and um, you're, you're including the dog in your preparations, is you want to make sure that... Uh, you know, when we get food for us, we get food for our dog. If you have medical needs, you stock up on your extra medication, do the same thing for your dogs. Um, include them in your basic first aid kits. So there's not a lot of things that you can't do for the dog with what we would normally use as a standard first aid kit. But the um, there are a few additions, uh, like, you know, a lot of your standard tourniquets and stuff like that don't do much for a dog. Um, they do better with the more elastic type of tourniquets. Uh, than the cat type where you they're solid and you, you torque them down by twisting a rod. Um, so there's a few things like that. I would you don't forget about the dog's you know personal daily needs in your preps and make sure that you know you have the ability to, to maintain them for a while because uh, you don't you know it's a lot cheaper to stock up on dog food now than it is to feed them freeze dried human food down the road. Yeah. Um, you know you spend a lot of money on that kind of stuff. Save that for the humans and have extra dog food. 
Uh, and then, of course, store it in a cool, dry place where rats and stuff like that won't get to it. I like to use like 35-gallon metal, the steel trash cans. Oh, yeah. And um, the, so you, if they have a tight lid on them, you can basically put two or three 50-pound bags of dog food in those um, and just put the lid on, and they will keep for 10 or 15 years uh, like that, assuming that they don't get wet and that rodents and things like that don't get into them. So that would be number one. If, if you know, if we want to be able to use our dogs in an SHTF situation, then we need to be able to take care of them uh, so that they're functional during that time. And then the probably for your average person, um, besides the fact that they they may um, alert for you if somebody's coming in, is that show of force type aspect. So people. As a general rule, when they see somebody with a dog, if the dog is pulling the person down the road, so I, I say the dog's walking the person rather than the person walking <laughs> the dog, um, or if the dog is just kind of roaming about, you know, without much discipline or anything like that, they tend to just naturally think, yeah, that, that dog isn't going to do anything, right? It's just another dog. Um, and especially if they're with people, they're like, okay, that's just our pet. Whereas when I walk in public with my dogs, whether it's a German Shepherd, a Belgian Malinois, or a Dutch Shepherd, they're walking on my side. They're looking around alert because we're in public. They are. They sit when I tell them to sit. They lay when I tell them to lay. I can put them down and, and tell them to wait, and I can walk and get something off the shelf. So when the dog acts disciplined, people automatically recognize that as that's different, right? That's not normal. Dogs aren't normally that disciplined. And so a lot of these people will then infer that this now obviously trained dog may have much more training. So and it, it obviously that goes up substantially if your dog has a, an intimidating look to it, right? So if it's one of these dogs that kind of looks at people like, you look, you look tasty, like I'll, I'll eat you if you come over here, <laughs> then whether or not that dog has protection training, that is a big benefit to you um, because it does give you that show of force. And, um, and then if you have the opportunity and time, obviously the more that you can put into them, the more they will give back to you. Excellent. Yeah. Good stuff. Well, um, now here's a question and I'm going to emphasize the word basic on this basic dog care. You mentioned it uh, when you talked about having food, you know, prep dog food for your, your dogs. Um, and you mentioned some medical stuff. Um, obviously, dog care could be, you know, a two-hour topic. So what are in, any additional, let me put it that way, any additional dog care thoughts for folks that are out there? And I would note this, by the way, and please address this if you would. Dogs don't do so well when their diet is changed. Um, an interesting story about that. I used what we have. We have some canned dog food for the dogs and then we have a couple cats and mm -hmm. the cats were little and they were getting canned cat food. And I didn't think about it. And I used the dog, uh, the spoon I use for the dog food and I use that for the cat food. So there was a little trace amount of dog food and these little kittens got really sick. I felt really terrible about it, but they were mm -hmm. that sensitive. So if you could address the the sensitivity to diet and any other basic dog care thoughts you have for preppers out there, because by nature, we're preppers. We want to go and make sure we have stuff or we have a plan in place for taking care of these important protection devices we have. And yes, they're they're dogs and they're live things, but they're protection devices for the purposes of this discussion. Right. Well, we don't put our rifles away in our safe, wet, and, and uh, yeah. dirty. We mm -hmm. clean them and oil them so they don't rust, right? So we want to take care of the uh, the asset of the dog as well. So some things that I do besides, you know, making sure you have plenty of food is your common things that maybe a lot of people won't think about are um, your um, 
Uh, my mind just went blank on this. There uh, the worms deworming them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's a, a term for that that I just got, drew a blank on. But you got worms, you got fleas and ticks, you got things like that. And it's going to vary depending on the part of the country that you live in. Um, but one of the things that we do, and I always like to emphasize, I'm not a vet, so I'm, I'll tell you what I do, and then you can decide whether you want to do that same thing or not. Um, but it, you know, it's your choice. Is So the primary ingredient in HeartGuard um, which is your your typical heartworm medication, is ivermectin. So ivermectin is often used on farms for cattle and things of that nature to keep away flies. And so it's available in bulk in most of your feed and grain stores. Hmm. And um, and the dogs take a very small amount of it. Um, it's by weight, and so you'll want to make sure you look that information up. Uh, also, you want to be very, very careful with ivermectin. If you get the injectable version, then you need to inject it. And if you get the uh, pour-on, you can either do the pour-on, which means you're just applying it to the skin, or you can give that to them orally. But do not give injectable ivermectin to your dogs orally. That will poison them. Um, but the ivermectin is really great for minimizing fleas and ticks, uh, and it also takes care of heartworms. Keep in mind, heartworms, uh, if you're using it for that, it has to be applied every 30 days. Uh, the way that heartworms work is it will kill them in a certain stage of their development, but it will not kill them as adults. Uh, they only live for a certain period of time. So if you catch it, you can just kind of let the cycle roll and they'll eventually die as long as you can keep new ones from being introduced. But, um, so ivermectin is a big one. Uh, we keep on hand, uh, it's a chemical called fenbendazole. So it's a goat dewormer, but it's also the same ingredient used in Panicure, which is what they use for the dogs. Um, they just call it a different name and you have to have a prescription for Panicure from your vet, but you do not have to have one for safeguard for goats. Uh, so that, and that's a pretty, um, broad spectrum deworming, uh, for your dogs that you can, uh, self administer and all that kind of stuff and then don't have to worry about, oh, no, if my vet's not open anymore, where am I going to get it? Um, and then, uh, so those are the two big ones in terms of medications that I recommend having on hand is something for heartworms, uh, because heartworms will kill even adult dogs if you're in a place where that's a problem. And um, and then having, for instance, uh, dewormer, um, if you notice your dog getting skinny and you give them more food and they're not getting uh, filling back out, then they probably have worms. Um, and once you start to be able to identify it, you'll be able to say, oh, hey, that dog looks wormy. Um, let's go ahead and give it some dewormer. But um, that's kind of the easiest way to tell is if you're increasing your food and it's not a young dog that's going through growth spurts or whatnot, um, and you, you go, hey, my dog's looking a little skinny. Let's give him some more food. And you give him some extra food and they don't start to, to fill in in a couple of days. Then you go, hmm, yeah, it, there's probably something in his intestines eating all his food and he's not getting those nutrients. So from a from just a care perspective, those are two really big ones. Um, if your dog gets sick, like an infection, um, I don't know how many uh, people out there are familiar with the Thompson Labs uh, fish mocks and those sorts of yeah, um, oh, that's a that's a prepping yes. Go for it. Yes. So we keep a stock of those on hand for the dogs. I won't lie. I've used them from time to time. I don't want to go to the doctor because I'm not a big fan. Not that I don't love doctors, but I don't like going to them personally uh, unless I absolutely have to. So a lot of times I go, I'm going to give myself a a round of this and see if that takes care of it. But I keep it on hand mostly for the dogs. And it comes in a capsule. So you can either give it directly to them. um, And again, all of this stuff is typically dosed out by weight and things of that nature. So they make 250 milligram tabs, 500 milligram tabs. Um, you can either just, you know, kind of force feed the pills or you can sprinkle it into either their dry or wet food and uh, kind of mix it around a little bit. And then as long as they eat all their food, 
um, then you're good. If a dog is sick to the point where it's not eating, then that's when I would be doing uh, forced injection. Yeah. And then if you are forced feeding rather, and then if you you know want to get into some of the more um, kind of like high end animal husbandry stuff, you can get into some of the injectable antibiotics, injectable vitamin C's, and all that kind of stuff, which we've done over the years with our dogs just because things we didn't need a vet for, we just learned how to do ourselves. Well, very good. I'm gonna. This is. I'm gonna jump in here and just make sure people understand the connection. And this is from me having had dogs and cats for a long time. The connection with fleas. There's a connection with a, an animal having fleas and and having worms. And what happens is dogs or cats. In this case, we're talking about dogs. If an animal has fleas, they start chewing at them because they're itching, just like we itch when we get bit by a, a an insect. Yeah. They sit there and chew on them and they end up injecting a flea or two. Well, that flea will then start doing what fleas do. And that's just repopulating themselves inside of the animal. And that's where, quote unquote, quote, those worms can come from. So I just wanted to put that out there. There's so keeping anti, the anti-flea and deworming is is kind of a one two punch to keep that under control. Would you agree with me? Yeah. Yes. So, that, yeah, there is a cycle where the um, the worms are some some form of microscopic and I'm not yeah. a scientist on this but as I understand it there's some form of microscopic um, version of the worm and when the flea gets inside the dog the worm basically um, survives in the new host which is the dog and, and they can grow in there it's and, um, yeah. and the worms they, they can kill dogs the older dogs um, often won't get killed by them but they, they, they're weakened for sure and um, and so you know those are just things that they sure you know, obviously, if you're going to have your dog, you want them to be in, in the best shape that they yeah. can be in. And those are things that you know will help them stay in good shape. So, oh, which is awesome. And these are things people should consider. So we're going to get off the, the, <laughs> the discussion worms. Of, of worms and gross Ugh. things. And, uh, so and <laughs> topics here. So special considerations, Joel. Um, because all of us live in different environments. You just hinted at part of it. Some of us live in an urban environment. I've, Glenn and I have lived in, you know, high density cities for much of our life. We're new to the country life and we're digging it. Then there's Loving the suburban it. lifestyle and then there's rural. What special considerations would you give to each, you know, each dog owner in those places? Absolutely. Well, first I would, I would recommend that everybody has a proper set of equipment for their dog to be able to move and use their dog the way they want to. Um, so as a general rule, you want, you know, uh, at least one good sturdy lead. If, if you've had dogs for long, you know, they probably chew things from time to time. So having replacements is a good idea. Maddie. Um, Who chews things? Collars. <laughs> What's that? Maddie. Maddie chews, has chewed. Oh my God. That's $7,000 worth of leashes. Oh my I God. made that up, but it's yeah, kind of yeah. true. Pretty close. Anyway, keep going. <laughs> Yes. So having extra leads or a way to repair your leads if they get chewed um, is a really good idea. And then, so one thing to keep in mind now, of course, if we have a real serious breakdown of, um, of the rule of law, then this probably won't be as much of an issue in urban areas. You'll be dealing more with uh, crime and gangs and things of that nature. But um, is if your dog is in a highly populated area and it barks a lot, um, you know, that can get you in trouble, obviously, before any kind of real serious breakdown. And we'll just have to see how all this whole pandemic thing goes. Um, but, you know, obviously things are still in place uh, for rules and laws. And so if your dog uh, just constantly barks, that's a problem. So you want to make sure you take care of that. Um, you can usually do that through training. And um, and then if you're in a suburban area, you know, a lot of those are those um, the, the HOA um, subdivisions. 
where yeah. you're going to have some of those same or similar issues. Uh, so be aware of those things and make sure your dog is at least trained well enough that you're not having those sorts of problems. And crate training and things of that nature becomes really important in those settings. When you're talking about the uh, being out in the rural areas, and, th- and this applies in the others as well, but this is kind of a common problem. Uh, and a lot of my clients that come and train with us locally, um, you know, they start off this way and then as they train with us, they realize, okay, I need to stop doing that and I need to start being more disciplined with my dog is a lot of people um, will let their dogs just kind of, you know, free run with them. And they're like, oh, it's cool. My dog follows me around where I go places and things of that nature. The problem is that doesn't mean you have any discipline in the dog, right? So just because your dog is, is near you or with you or likes you, um, if you need to start using that dog for an application, you, you need to be disciplined and starting that discipline after things have gotten really bad is probably a bad idea. Mm-hmm. Just like starting prep after things have gotten bad is probably a really bad idea. So starting to be, and this doesn't mean you have to you know, be a perfect dog trainer or anything like that, but starting to be, you know, when, when I open the door, you don't crash through the door and run outside, right? You wait until I tell you it's okay to go outside. When I um, am coming inside, you know, I shouldn't have to fight with my dog to keep them from running into the house if I don't want them to go into the house. I should just be able to say, wait, and open the door and go inside and close the door if I want them to stay outside. Um, you know, when you open vehicles, making sure they're not just, you know, crashing into a vehicle or crashing out of a vehicle. All of those sorts of things, just you're, you're kind of think about the things that your dog does that's annoying uh, or that used to be annoying and maybe you've gotten used to. And almost all of those behaviors can be trained where the dog is more disciplined. And that not only benefits you in a, in a bad situation, but it makes your life a lot nicer with your dog right now. So simple things, and I'm looking at Glenn Tate as I say this, making the dog sit when I step into the house so that she doesn't run all over the house and jump all over me is a good thing. Like, like that's something that I do and nobody else in the house does. Right, Glenn? Right, Glenn? I make her Guilty sit. I make charged. her sit. It's never really having dogs. <laughs> dogs are like these furry things that make noise and poop. And that's pretty much my understanding of dogs. And I'm getting now, I mean... This is a this is a system. This is I mean, this is like any other thing. I mean, it's like, you know, you got to you got to keep oil in your truck. You know what I mean? It's like it it takes some effort and they're not just like fluffy playthings unless you want them to be just fluffy playthings. And that's the opposite of what we're talking about here. Um, Let's see. and uh, And then let me just throw this out here, too. When you when you've got discipline over your dog and I'm sure you're going to agree with me, Joel, then they then they. Then they stick around with you, like Glenn has mentioned. The dogs mm-hmm. follow you all around the house. I'm like, yeah, I'm the alpha dog to them. I make them sit. I'm the one who feeds them. I'm the one. Well, right. now, let's be honest. You're what? the welfare mom to these dogs. You give them all the stuff, and they're like, it's the first of the but month, and they want I their EBT though, cards too. charged. They yeah, come to me, and I discipline them. So anyway, okay, so we only have a couple minutes left. So we have about two minutes. Yeah, so- Joel, any, anything you want to add um, to this until we go into the after show? And once again, we say this every show, but it's true. Dear regular show listeners on radio or on the internet, we do not intentionally get a great conversation started and then have like more awesomer stuff in the after show. We don't do that on purpose. It always happens. So anyway, um, so you got about a minute and a half, Joel. What are some wrap up thoughts? And be sure and let people know how to get in contact with you, because it sounds like what you do, especially the online thing is is a fabulous, fabulous thing for preppers. Yeah, so I would say first, make sure you get a good dog. Um, I don't have any problem with people who want to rescue a dog from a shelter or something like that. But 
there's usually those are those dogs that already have had problems and then you're trying to fix somebody else's problem. So if you're interested in having a dog that can actually, you know, truly be of service to you, I'd recommend finding a good breeder. Um, I typically recommend away from the AKC. Uh, they breed more for the show type lines and things of that nature. Um, the also, also it, make sure your dogs are safe. So we here have what we call a zero tolerance for unwarranted aggression. And we spend a bunch of time in our training doing what we call stabilization, which is the dog only puts their mouth on things that we tell them to. Um, and so a lot of people come to me with dog aggression issues because they've allowed the dogs to do things they shouldn't have done. And now they're having biting issues. Um, and if you want some more information on this and kind of some more deep dives into some of my thought processes on it, I have a podcast called Protection Dog Podcast. Uh, so it's more the long format uh, audio version of a lot of our philosophy and training ideas. And Joel, I um, hate to say it. Hate to say Go it. Ahead. We got to cut you off. That's the end of the regular show. Look up Canine Academy online. Thank you, everybody. Stick around for the after show. You've been listening to Prepping 2.0 with authors Shelby Gallagher and Glenn Tate. All of the fun and easy prepping information heard on this podcast can be found online at prepping2-0.com. You can also find out more about Glenn's books online at 299days.com and about Shelby's books online at agreatstate.com. Until next time, be smart, be safe, and be prepared. Be prepared.